This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, we're talking with Connie Whitman. She's a coach, a training and development expert, and an author. And her podcast is called Enlightenment of Change. It's all about moving your career and your life forward. For this show, we've asked Connie to wear her hat as a consultant and teacher in the field of sales and marketing. We'll talk about how sales and customer service skills can empower your career, no matter where you work or what you do. Connie will offer tips for improving your ability to sell. She says it all starts with building relationships. Connie, you have worn, I know, a lot of different professional hats, from coach to author to speaker to consultant. And you could talk about a lot of things that I know when you and I get together, we probably talk too much. But today, I'd like us to focus a bit and and get your expertise on... Um, sales and marketing and why those kinds of skills matter to everybody, no matter what their job is. But before we plunge into that, can you tell us a little bit about what your consulting practice, your sales and marketing consulting practice is like and how you built up all those years of expertise? Yes, great great question, uh, Beverly, and a good, actually a good place to start so your listeners kind of get a vibe of who I am and what my experience is clearly, right? So that's always a good place to start. So first, I, I think that for me, I've always been in sales for, and yes, I'm dating myself 37 years, yikes. And always in financial sales, by the way. So, you know, you're, the, the critical thing I think about that is that I've always sold an, anti, an, an, uh, it's an, an intangible product, right? You can't touch it, see it, feel it. So that, I think, helps you hone your skills maybe even a little quicker than if you're selling a computer or a copier. But over the years, what I found in sales, and again, I, I almost dislike using that word because people freak out when they hear the word sales, but for me, I think it really boils down to the best communication that we could give our customers. And if we are communicating and articulating really, really well, they understand us, we understand them, and the whole communication process just goes uh, kind of seamless. And it doesn't feel like you're having a sales call or a sales dialogue. It all of a sudden becomes... A conversation. And I think that's the critical piece for me that I, I really hope everybody listening understands. It's not giving a pitch. It's having a conversation and understanding who's sitting in front of you. And once you've got that, the rest becomes easy peasy for you. Well, how do you help people learn that? It, it sounds so sensible, and I'm sure we've all read it places, but still, when you notice people talking about what they're doing, or it, it can be in a networking event where they're just telling about their new job, or they can be uh, trying to sell you something on the phone. It's always a pitch. How do you make the point that it's not a pitch, it's something else? 
Okay, so two, there's two things, two ways I can answer that that I think are important for everyone to understand. First one is when I was probably about 30 years ago, Beverly, it has to be about 30 years ago, I was introduced to a behavioral model called DISC. Some of you might have taken a behavioral model like a Myers-Briggs. There's so many out there. Yeah. So I, I loved DISC because it was simple to understand. And for me, it was simple for me to actually start using with my clients, but I ended up using them in my personal life as well. So which just means you get the skill faster, right? If you could use it in all aspects of your life, which is great. So I went and I actually got certified in DISC because to me, I was like, I got to teach everybody this. This is like the most brilliant thing that's ever been created. And it's, it's about, it's well over a hundred years old. So it's, it's tried and true and tested. Okay. And it's based on Carl Jung's, um, his whole science, his whole uh, scientific background. So it's all based from that perspective. Well, fast forward. Um, when I started my business almost 20 years ago and I was always really good at sales. So I, now I have to go and I, my, my clients were corporate, corporate clients. So I had to go and now teach their employees how to sell. So I'm thinking, you know, you sit, those, these are those aha moments. Back yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah. Crap. What do I do now? Right. Exactly. <laughs> And so I, I really sat down and I thought, well, what do I do when I'm with a customer because it works? So maybe I, I should teach people how to do that. And, and I really peeled back my own little onion there for a minute. And I, I went introspectively and I thought, oh, and I broke it down to seven critical skills that I use every time I'm front of a client. So you mentioned networking, you mentioned on a telephone, as well as of course, face to face. Um, the seven steps, my seven subs, the seven skills are critical for us to be successful. And within those seven skills, believe it or not, are a bunch of sub skills. So, and it's funny because I know I made it sound so simple in my first comment about it's as simple as having yeah. a conversation. And it really is. But the thing is, once you understand those seven critical steps, I think people go, oh, that makes so much sense. And then as I stop and I could develop those seven skills, right, to um, the whole package now, it I don't even think about it anymore. I just have conversations with people. So it, it truly ends up being as easy as that. Can you, are you willing to share your seven steps with us right now? Absolutely. Um, so the first step is preparation. And it's funny because when I go in to my corporate clients, and I know you probably hear this with your clients too, Beverly, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to prepare. And my answer to them is then you're out of your mind because you can't afford to not prepare. So I prepare for everything, even in my personal life. Um, your, your listeners are thinking I'm an I'm a anal freak over here, but I, I have a backup plan on a backup plan just in case because we get thrown curveballs. So just like when you meet with a client, it, you have to do your due diligence, you know, look at websites, understand who the players are. If somebody referred you, try to get as much detail about the person you're meeting with in advance so you could get your, your mind around that type of behavioral model. Again, I'll go back to disc, right? So what is their style? Um, because believe it or not, our customers tell us how to sell to them, right? How to communicate with them. And that's all part of that preparation. Second step is building rapport. And I know we, we call it when we go networking, uh, Beverly, it's your 30 second commercial, your value statement, 
What is it in that 30 seconds that I can capture in the other person I'm speaking with? So they say, oh, you know, she's professional. Oh, she seems to know what she's talking about. Oh, I kind of like her vibe. How do you do that in 30 seconds? And again, there's a finesse to it. But if you practice it, you get it down and, and you get really good at building rapport. The next one is, of course, open-ended questions. And when I train, I, I tell all the participants in my classes, this is your magic wand. So when you ask questions, who's, if, if I'm asking you questions, Beverly, who's doing the speaking? If you're asking me questions, I'm doing the speaking, if right. they're open-ended. That's exactly right. So if I ask my client an open-ended question, they're speaking, I have to go into the, the fourth step is listening. And unfortunately, we are a society that does not listen. Uh, we take turns talking at each other and we're thinking about the next thing I'm going to say while you're speaking. So literally, it's almost a subconscious. Well, when Beverly stops talking, I'm going to say you know, what I want to say. And we, we talk at each other instead of with each other. And I just want to comment one more thing because I think listening is so critical and that we're, we've become not good at it as a society and as, as humans. When I, many, many years ago, when I first started uh, selling insurance, the um, regional I had at the time, we always had a meeting on a Friday. And one day he said, you know, guys, you have two ears and one mouth. So you should be listening twice as much as you're speaking when you're with your client. And Beverly, I use that line every time I train. We have to go into listening mode and we should be listening at minimum twice as much as we're speaking. So, so that, that's step number four. Um, jump in if you have a question. Well, I'm making or notes here. I, I'm making notes here because I have questions and discussions for all four of your points so far. So let, let's hear the whole group and then maybe we can go back okay. and tear them apart a little bit. Absolutely. So the, the fifth step, obviously, if I've asked really good questions and I've done really nice listening and I've taken some fabulous notes about, you know, the client's feedback and information they're sharing, I should be able to present. And when we present, we have to present from a benefit perspective. So whatever product services, whatever it is, entrepreneurs, whatever their product or services that they're, they're selling or offering, we have to go and look from the customer's perspective. So what's in it for me, right? What am I getting if I buy your whatever it is that you're selling? So when we present, it has to be all about the customer, not about us. It's never about us. And then the um, uh, sixth step is ask for the business. You've gone this far. Ask for the darn business. Don't say, so let me know what you think. Ask, hey, let's get started. I'd love to work with you. Yeah. And then the last step, which I think a lot of salespeople forget, is step seven, which is follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. And I will I want to just comment on follow-up briefly. You have to be persistent and consistent, but respectful in how you follow up. You don't want to become a nudge where they see your your you on caller ID or they get an email and they go, Oh, what does she want? that's the last thing we want when we're following up. You want them to be excited to hear what you have to tell them or what new information or how you're going to help them. So follow up, you have to be persistent, consistent, and always respectful. And there are my seven steps. Those are fabulous. I, I've never broken them out like that, but in um, coaching and in my own life, I think these are all steps that I've sort of played with. And of course, i I'm generally not working on sales the way you are, you know, classic sales and marketing. I'm working with clients who maybe are 
pitching their boss for a big project or perhaps they're dealing with their clients. The same thing works just about anywhere in any kind of career. And I think in life, a lot of the times, it's um, it's a, a, an important list. But can we go back and let me kind of poke at some of these and um, um, hear a little bit more. Listening, I... I think of as sort of a superpower, that if you can listen, then you can communicate. And if you can communicate, you can do just about anything. But it's not as easy as it sounds, because um, partly it's managing that voice in your head that always wants to judge or interrupt. And it's it takes a while. How do you work with clients on the, the listening part? Do you, do you find that people, that, that you do some... Um, exercises or have them practice or how do you work with clients to be better listeners? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because, you know, unless God forbid you're hearing impaired, listening is mandatory. We do hear, we don't listen, we don't process what's being said. It, it has become an optional skill for us, which is tragic. And I, I, when I, one thing I will share whenever I'm teaching or, you know, talking about sales or coaching or service, whatever the topic is, presentation skills, doesn't matter. Um, I, we always do exercises. So I teach a concept. So an example would be listening and then I actually do an exercise. So I always start by saying, all right, who here's like a really good listener? Who do you think, who do you think is a good listener? And they all raise their hands and I go, well, let's test it. And I do this little seven question quiz. They cannot take notes. They cannot ask me questions and I can't repeat. It's truly a listening exercise. And of the seven, the average number of answers they get correct is anywhere from one and a half to two and a half. So we laugh, right? And I always say there's valuable prizes so that they'll really listen uh -huh. hard. And I do get little giveaways and stuff, you know, to motivate. Um, but it's so funny because people go, holy smokes, I did, I really did bad. And the, the quiz there may be three sentences worth of information. So Beverly, when you're coaching someone or speaking with someone, aren't they giving you more than three sentences of information? Yes. And it takes a while to realize how hard listening is when you start uh, coaching. I, I take a lot of notes, not that I ever really yes. need to look at them, but listening is all about focus and mm -hmm. getting away from distractions. And I find longhand notes uses enough of my focus that uh, that really helps me. But of course, we can't go through life like that. So uh, one of the things that I have clients do is just kind of practice listening wherever they're comfortable. It can be with their own kids. It can be with the server at their favorite restaurant. Just practice really focusing on the person um, when they're not in a job situation, that can help sometimes. Absolutely. It's, and, and it goes back to preparing. To me, you have to practice all of these skills all of the time. And, and I'll just give you a really funny example. Um, I was with a client and um, I, I taught them about DISC. I actually, my partner and I, three years ago, we created our own behavioral model. My partner was uh, certified in Myers-Briggs. I was certified in DISC. And you could cheat on these where you can answer questions the way you want to be, not necessarily, you know, how you are in the here and now. So we created, um, it, and, and everybody, your listeners could take it. I could give that information at the end. It's free. It's, it's free for everybody. So it's on and your website. 
It's it's not on my Whitman Associates website, but I it's on wisdomdecoded.com. Okay. It's my sec I have a second business. Okay. So if they go to wisdomdecoded.com, it's right on the landing page and it's free. Um, it takes about 10 minutes to take and they get a little free report, giving them a little bit of insight into their own personal superpowers and also some of their blind spots and challenges. Because with each Every one of us have these amazing strengths and, and wonderful things that we bring to the table naturally. And then we have those things that, you know, you got to work on that. So we have these blind spots. But it, so I taught anyway, this one client, I, I taught the behavioral model. And one of the young ladies, it was a two day class. She left, she came back and she walked in and she looked at me and I said, oh, what's the matter? And she said, oh my God, I can't get it out of my head. I went to the food store on the way home and I started analyzing what type of uh, communication style there was. And then I gassed up and I was looking at that person gassing me up with, she said, all I'm doing is seeing everybody from their communication perspective. And I laughed and I said, that's a beautiful thing. You'll never communicate the same again. This is a skill. If you can embrace it every day, using it in those, it's exactly what you said before, Beverly. If we can use it in our everyday lives, all of a sudden it becomes one of your superpowers and practice. And, and part of it is that client focus. The the thing you talked about in the context of presentation, really communication is is a lot about getting out of your own head and life and really focusing on what the listener, the customer, the client wants, right? Totally. You know, it's, uh, I give another trick or tip for everybody listening. Um, cause when you're with a client, I, I hope you're taking notes. If you're not, don't, you don't want to meet me. <laughs> I'll yell at you, <laughs> <laughs> but you should be taking notes, right? So as you're taking notes, you never want, if you have like, let's say you're saying something Beverly and I think, Ooh, I have to ask a follow-up question again, two ears, one mouth. So immediately I write that note down, whatever they said. And I, for me, this is my little cheat sheet. I put a star next to that comment and I let the customer keep talking and I let my client keep speaking. I continue to take my notes. And then what I do is at the end, those follow-up questions. So at the end, I, I always summarize what I heard them say. And then I say, hey, listen, I have a couple of more questions where I want to dig in a little bit. Before you mentioned blah, blah, blah. Um, my question is, and then I ask my question and I continue to take notes. And now that's what creates that back and forth conversation. So instead of when they said whatever they said that I want to ask a follow-up question on and interrupt them and say, wait, 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 before you go on, I have another question. Don't ever do that. Let the customer talk because they're going to share so much vital information that if you stop them in their flow they're going to forget to tell you things later on. So you stay focused and again, listening, and then put a little star next to it. And that's your cue. At the end, go back and ask follow-up questions about whatever that statement was. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies leads students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. 
We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. You know, what you're describing is a process that makes sense in the context of a lot of new research that's coming out about listening with neuroscience and all kinds of new ways to study how people interact. It's becoming evident that most people walk around most of the time feeling unseen, unheard, just kind of aching for somebody to focus on them, to pay attention to them. So once you start those open-ended questions and get people talking, they'll feel, since you're listening, they'll feel connected with you. They'll feel better about themselves. There's some research that suggests that if you truly are listening to a person, the speaker will think you, the listener, is attractive. It's it's right. it's an amazing um connection that can be built with somebody you've only known for a few minutes if you're really good at that. So I think that's a, a really good tip that if if you sense that the flow is there, don't interrupt. And when you come back later, that's kind of flattering in itself, isn't it? It is. And and like at a networking event, you could do this too. Obviously, we're not going to say, hold a minute, let me write that down. <laughs> so I can circle that. that would just be weird, right? But in your head, just connect to whatever they said, stay, stay involved in the conversation. And then, you know, when they come up for air, just say, I, can we circle back one quick second? You know, you mentioned blah, blah, blah. I, I have been doing research on that or, you know what? I don't know anything about that topic. I'd love the opportunity to pick your brain and just talk to you more about that. My son is going through, or I have a friend who might need to talk to you. So again, coming from this place of serving is another thing where it's never about me. It's always about the person I'm speaking with. It's always about the client or the prospective client, but they have to get to know you and how much you care. And I really believe that if you can make that connection on a human level, it, the rest is easy. It, it's just ridiculously easy. And another thing, Beverly, not that this is a mandatory thing, and I know it's my how I communicate, my style. I'm super, super friendly, and I, I care. I, I truly care about my clients and their employees. It matters if they're successful. It matters to me deeply, personally. I take it personal, right? But when, whenever I'm listening or, or with that, with that client, I, I almost become friends with them where they feel like they know me on, on a, a more intimate level. And I don't mean that in a dirty way, but I never, ever hold back about sharing information about personal information. If we're talking about fear, let's say, um, I'm afraid to approach the client and ask them questions and whatever. Right. And I'll say, well, fear is real. You know, I remember when I started my podcast, it was so bad. The first time I, I cried, I listened to it and I cried and I thought, what have I done? Right. Fear set sets in that voice begin and people go, really? And I go, we all have fear. And all of a sudden they're relating to you because they think, oh, she gets me. But if we we all get each other, if you just stop and listen yeah. to what the other person is saying, right? Well, I think you're exactly right. And that's a, 
that's a big networking um, tip. And that is that almost everybody else is at least as shy as you are. Uh, and that sure. people are uh, afraid of interacting sometimes. And uh, sometimes you just have to notice the fear and go forward anyway. But that brings me to the point about asking for the business. I got to tell you, Connie, I've been, um, I was a lawyer trying to get business and um, I was a lobbyist trying to be convincing and I've been an entrepreneur for almost, well, for gosh, 17 years. And I am still not so good at asking people to pay money for me. It's yeah, hard. It is. It's interesting because we all, and that's, um, uh, it's a money issue. We all, and here's the deal, everybody listening, you all got money blocks. I have money blocks. Beverly, you have money blocks. Yes. You all have money blocks, right? So you, you got to work through them. But here's, here's my tip for that. If, if, and again, all of the, the tips, I, all of the steps I gave you in my seven step process, if you prepare, right, if you um, build that report, take the time to build your rapport skills, use my CSA, my free online assessment, DISC, Myers-Briggs, whatever your company's using, doesn't matter, okay? Understand who you are before you even go to networking or before you need to ask for the business, understand where your strengths are and where those challenges are and then develop them. Then the next thing is the questions, listening, and then presentation. You have to go step by step and really dig in and develop those skills to the nth degree. So open-ended questions. Um, and I, and I'll, I, I'm going to come back to open-ended questions. I want to give a tip on that, but I, I'll come back to that. So if you can get, and I don't care who you are, whether you're shy or an, or an extroverted person, if you could get really good at all of those five steps leading up to asking for the business, by the time you get to asking for the business, Beverly, this is my asking for the business with my clients. Okay, I'm going to send you the contract. I'll, we'll, uh, I'll connect with whoever to schedule the training dates. Um, the retainer, the information for the retainers on the contract, and we're good to go. Any other questions for me? Nope. Okay. So you don't ask. You tell. I, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Like, yeah, by the, by the time you get to asking for the business, they've already bought in because they want to work with you. So it's, it's not this whole big separate step. It's actually, and this is the, the funniest thing. And I know everybody last, last listening is saying this one's out of her mind. <laughs> Connie Whitman's lost it. But if you get really good at those five steps, by the time you get to asking to the business, it's usually a one liner sign here. Oh, let's schedule our first meeting. Oh, I'll send you the contract. Um, oh, uh, who do I need to coordinate to schedule the event with? It, it becomes like, well, all right, what's the next step? Not sign here. It, it, it's not a big deal, but you have to get really good at those five previous steps. Yes, and I, I think I do a little variant on that. I noticed some point along the way that while I found it hard to ask people to pay me money, I didn't have any trouble raising money for nonprofits, things like mm. that, or for uh, raising selling business of my partners or for other people. So what I realized is my money block is asking that uh, people pay me, pay for me, for my value. So I used those earlier steps, although I'd never been so clever to take them out, like I said, but I used those earlier steps to try to create a project or a proposition 
together. And so by the time we get to the ask, it's not me asking for me. It's we've kind of created a project here. Mm -hmm. And we kind of have buy-in for the project. And so this is just a shared discussion about something other than me. It's that project over there. That's it, it's exact. It's never about us, Beverly. That's the thing. It's about your, if you've done your job and really identifying, and I hate that word pain point, but if you really understand where they're glitching out, whatever they're trying to do, whatever, whatever it is that they're selling or, or I deal with salespeople, right? So where, where is the glitch? Where is the disconnect? And most times they don't have a, a culture in place or they don't have a process in place or there's no coaching in place. So I'll give you another example. Um, when I first started my business almost 20 years ago, I never made coaching a mandatory part of my package. I would just come and do the training and that was it. Now I go in and I say to the client, I'm happy to do your sales and service training. Absolutely love to come in and do that. You have to do this coaching component because if no one, and I'll teach your managers how to coach. I'm not the one coaching from, it's not going to cost you extra money. But if I could teach your managers how to support their team after the training, now they're coaching them on something tangible. That's how you create a culture. Everybody has to be on the same same page. Everybody has to be living and breathing whatever it was that we just trained. Otherwise, I'm telling anybody listening, you're throwing money away. There has to be that coaching component. And coaching is an important part of creating any kind of culture. So is repetition and, and, mm-hmm. and framing things so that they match the person, focusing on the yes. people there. Well, going back to your seven points here. The follow-up, as you say, you don't want to be annoying, but that's a really important one because people are busy, and even though they love the idea, they can lose track of time. All kinds of things can happen. So do you have some suggestions on how you follow up without being annoying? Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, when at the end of your whatever meetings you have with your client, the, the, at the end of every meeting, there should be a next step as far as I'm concerned. So sometimes it's, hey, we're good now. Let's touch base in three months. And then it's, okay, let's put it in our calendars right now. What time? So I schedule it. So people have it in, we, we schedule it. I'm scheduled, I'm scheduling 2020, the whole year for 2020 with my clients already. It's scheduled, everybody's on the same page. Now, if it's something where you need to follow up, um, they're not ready to buy from you and you need to follow up in three months or whatever. This is what I always say. How do you want me to reach out to you? Should I email you? Would you like a phone call? Should I leave a voicemail message that's detailed? Guide me. And this, I always say this to this day. This is what I say, Beverly, you guide me. I don't ever want you to see my, my email or see a voicemail from me and think, Oh, what does that pest want? So I will never become a pest. You guide me and I will honor that. So, and then people go, oh, no, no, yes, yes. Oh, you know, the best way to reach me is email me. And I say, great. And then when I email you, I will be very detailed in giving you three dates for us to schedule a conference call. I let people know what to expect from me, but I also let them know what I expect from them. 
I'm not going to chase a client. I, I don't have the time or energy to do that. And so I let them know what this is what you could expect from me. And this is what I expect back. And I'll, I'll just share. Do we have time? I have one yeah, quick yeah. funny story. Uh, I have a client. I live in, I'm in Jersey and he was in Connecticut and I was um, in Jersey City with another client and we had to have a conference call this one night, but he had to get information and I was training all day. So I said to him, his name is Bill. I'm like, Bill, if I'm not back in my office by 5.30, I'll call you from the car. But here's the deal. I can't take notes. I'm, I'm sitting on the turnpike in traffic. You have to take the notes and then email to me. If you're okay with that, then I'll schedule that conference call, you know, for sometimes between 5 and 5.30. And he's like, yeah, 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 that works. It was 5.15 and I knew I was never going to make it back to my office. I was sitting in a ton of traffic. So I called him and he almost answered, hey, Con, what's going on? But he didn't. He answered professionally. And, um, I said, Hey, Hey Bill, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm sending traffic, you know, let, and he laughed and he goes, I almost said, Hey con. And I go, Oh, why didn't you? And he goes, what if it was my wife? <laughs> she is a, who is this con you speak of? <laughs> so, uh, another point is, you know, back to developing the rapport is, is understanding the, the customer and, and working on a communication style that works for everybody. Okay, I think Absolutely. we are getting close to running out of time, but I want to, um, you have so many resources. I want to make sure that people know uh, about how to get, in, how to follow you, get in touch, whatever. And I want to mention um, your um, Enlightenment of Change podcast. That might be of interest to our listeners. Oh, yes, I love it. Um, the Enlightenment of Change is on webtalkradio.net. Or they could search on their podcast app. I'm on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all of them. Um, but if you just search Enlightenment of Change with Connie Whitman, it, it should pop up. And it's it's Enlightenment of Change. It's really about change in particular. So yes, I am a businesswoman and I talk about leadership and coaching and sales and all those things. And I have remarkable guests like you, Beverly, right? We, yes, we just, posted we just did show, one. Um, we just did one. It was great. It posted. Um, but I also believe in mind, body, spirit, because if we're not whole and happy and healthy mind, body and spirit, how can we put, how can we possibly go out and help our clients and be all they need us to be? So I do a lot about changing self, you know, that personal development. So it makes us rock stars when we're with our clients. So that's uh, really cool. And again, I want to mention, please go take the free communication style assessment. Um, it's at wisdomdecoded.com and you get a little report. So it gives you a little bit of insight as to who you are. And again, your superpowers and your glitches, your, your blind spots. And then um, Beverly, if they want to email me to discuss anything where they just want to pick my brain, um, email me at, you could either do Connie, do Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Okay, terrific. Well, Connie, thanks again. I always love talking with you. We always find plenty to say, and I always learn something for you. So thanks very much. It's truly my pleasure, and I hope I was helpful. I hope I gave some good tips out there. Absolutely. Today we've been talking with New Jersey sales and marketing expert, Connie Whitman. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. Today's career tip is that you can sell your product or your ideas 
If you start by building relationships and focusing on what it is that your audience needs. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends and come back soon.